Good morning. And happy, happy, happy Father's Day to all our fathers, to all our grandfathers, to all our father figures. Um, you know, as we were uh, worshiping, um, I really just uh, had a moment myself as DJ was ministering uh, and the rest of the team was ministering to us, just the specifics. You know, my um, biological father I've never met. Um, he is in Panama somewhere, maybe. Uh, and then I grew up with a, another uh, father who um, did the job and did the job right. Uh, and so I'm very fortunate to be able to say that I even had a father. Uh, so um, he's not with us. Uh, he's, he's in heaven. Um, but uh, I miss him, and I, and I, and I thank God just for um, this day. It's a very special day. I look forward to celebrating this day with you guys, with all the fathers um, Children, moms, wives, um, appreciate the fathers today. Even if um, they're not your father, if it's your son and their father, uh, just make sure you appreciate them. Tell them that you love them and treat them really, really good today. Okay, so man, I'm, I'm pulling for that, uh, that medium steak uh, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? All right, and all the men said... All the Father said, amen. that's right, that's right. So that's what we're about here. Uh, but God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Every Nation Church. We are mission-driven, multi-ethnic, multi-generational. We believe that that's how God wants us to be in order to reach the city in which he's put us. And so um, how about we uh, jump right into the message. I, I want to say thank you. He's not here right now, but Pastor Matt had this idea for a Father's Day message and so I, I'm not sure if he realized the stress that I was under the past uh, couple of weeks. And so, man, I was burning the midnight oil, the candle on both ends. And so he had this idea, and I was like, dude, whatever ideas, notes you have, fire on my way. And so um, Pastor Matt, he sent me kind of a skeletal structure of today's message, and I was just, you know, um, developed it, added some meat on the bones, and I think we're going to have something good uh, today for you, Father. It's going to be... Uh, encouraging. Um, it's going to be maybe a little bit challenging, but uh, overall, I think it's going to be something that's going to help all of us. It certainly helped me, uh, even as I was doing the studying. And so we wanted to stay in the book of Acts. Whenever a holiday comes up or something special, and we're in a series, sometimes we'll take a break so that we could, you know, honor the, the holiday. We'll bring a word in regards to the holiday. Um, but uh, we have a word that is right out of the series that we're in. And so we've been in the book of Acts. And how many appreciate the book of Acts? I don't know if you know this about the book of Acts. It is the only book with a blueprint of what a church is supposed to be like. And so it's our example. And so as I'm going reading through the book of Acts, I can't help but to look at the book of Acts and go, what was happening then? That should be happening now. And so that's the way I approach it. It's a comparison. But um, let, let's start off with a funny uh, Father's Day story. How about that? And then we'll get into the words. So there's a man who lived in the wilderness with his family. And one day there was this um, father connect, uh, correcting his son. His son had gone to the outhouse to relieve himself. They lived out in the country. Uh, so they still used an outhouse. Anybody got an out outhouse? Just wondering. Okay, good. God bless you. I was going to pray for you if you did. Uh, but his son hated going to this outhouse. And his friends 
he said, you know, man, my friends don't have outhouses. And so he was really frustrated. It was a little bit cold that day. So he goes out to the outhouse, and he was like, I'm fed up with this. Instead of using the restroom, he leans on the outhouse, which was a little bit uh, rickety and, and, and flimsy, and he pushes it over into a stream that was right next to it, and he storms back into the house. A few minutes later, his dad calls him outside, and he says, hey, son, did you push the outhouse into the river? And he said, yeah, dad, I'm sorry, that was, that was me, I'm really sorry. And he began to, to punish him, and he said, dad, but can I say something? And he says, sure, and he says, you know, George Washington, he fessed up and told the truth, and he didn't get punished for chopping down the cherry tree. And his dad said, yeah, but George Washington's father wasn't in the cherry tree when it fell over. So his dad was in there. The boy, his son, the young man made a bad choice because he didn't understand the ramifications of his decision. Well, we live in a day when choices have to be made, especially in regards to men and fathers, because so much is dependent on you. We don't realize that the choices fathers make, that we have to make, they reverberate throughout the world and throughout other people's lives. It sends shockwaves even at times just based on the decisions that we make, especially when it's in regards to our families, our children, our friends, and our church. So fathers and you other young men who are going to be fathers in the future, I want to encourage you in today's message, maybe even challenge you, but definitely remind you that God has a specialized purpose for the role of what we call a father. And again, it doesn't have to be blood and biological. Sometimes we step into somebody's life and we become a father figure. And how many know that's important? And I've had a few of those. I've had a few of those that I, that I really, really treasure. I'm, I'm glad that God had brought other men into my life to bring a dimension that I didn't have or maybe my family couldn't provide. But when it comes to key moments, key moments in life, your choices and decisions are most crucial. With everything that goes on in life, all the voices, all the pressures, all the noise, it's time for us as men and for us as fathers to make a decision, to make key decisions and right decisions, even though they're tough. How many know that God has given us a will? He's given us a will. He doesn't make all of our decisions for us, but he does give us options. I don't know about you, but I love options. He gives us the ability to make choices. So today we're going to bounce around. Mostly we're going to be in Acts chapter 7 and 8, which was written by a Gentile doctor named Luke, who also happened to be one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus. But Acts chapter 6 to 8 highlights the growth of the early church, as I was saying earlier. Uh, and not only just the church, but explosive. And at the center of these three chapters is a man named Stephen, who was appointed as one of several deacons in the church. And the Bible says that Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. He performed great wonders and signs among all the people. And later on in the chapter, Stephen was seized by the Jews and 
accused of blasphemy. And while he was being interrogated, it says all who were there saw that his face was like an angel. So this is the Stephen that we're talking about. He begins to defend himself from the religious leaders. He goes into this defense and mentions several of our spiritual forefathers. And today we're going to look at Abraham, we're going to look at Moses, we're going to look at Paul, and we're going to look at Stephen himself. He did mention some others, but we just don't have enough time uh, to get to those. And then we're going to dig and we're going to pull out some nuggets that I think we can learn and take and apply to our lives as, as fathers and men. And really when you think about it, it's not just men and fathers who this will apply to. I think anybody, of, anybody in here will be able to take these points and apply them uh, to our lives. So... We're going to learn these lessons about fatherhood from our spiritual forefathers. Is that okay? You ready? All right. Okay, dads, take your mind off the stake. I didn't mean to throw you off like that, okay? Stay with me. Stay with me. All right. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we pray before we get into the message? Father, thank you. Lord, for the uh, awesome privilege of meeting with you today and being with you today. And Lord, you were waiting for us to show up. Uh, Lord, so that you can spend time with us. There's something about meeting in community. There's something about meeting um, as a corporate uh, body called the church that you love. And there's a, a certain way that we can only worship when we're together as one body. And Lord, thank you for the beautiful worship earlier. Uh, Lord, and I, I thank you that we're able to touch your heart and you're able to touch ours. But Lord, I ask you today that we would be impacted uh, by your word and that you will uh, lead us uh, Holy Spirit, in such a way that we will catch what it is that you're trying to say. We love you. In Jesus' name, all the church said, amen. The title of today's message is Fathers and Faith. And then I'm going to make four points. I'll go as quick as I can. Uh, and then we even have a special, um, someone who's going to come up and help me uh, with my message today. Uh, so remember, Stephen was appointed as a leader. He's serving in the church, and because he was sharing the teachings of Jesus, the Jewish leaders seize him, and they accuse him of blasphemy against Moses and Yahweh. And now that brings us to Acts chapter 7, verse 2. If you're reading uh, with something, uh, a Bible or a device in your hand, you can begin to make your way there. But it's here where the high priest asks if the charges against him, these blasphemous charges, were true. And so Stephen begins his defense by saying, in verse 2, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. My first point, very quickly, is this. Fathers are called. Fathers are are called. They're not just called. They're divinely called. Father is not just a title. It's a divinely ordained position and responsibility that God ordains himself. And so you probably never thought of it that way, but when you do, you realize how big and how important this role of fatherhood is. And so how do we fulfill this role? The same way Abraham fulfilled his role in what we just read, by stepping out in faith, even if it means leaving behind all that is comfortable and familiar, which was Abraham's situation. As I was studying, I asked myself, 
what was Abraham's calling? What was his calling? When God shows up and he called him, what was his calling? His calling was literally to leave his homeland and to take new territory. That was his role. That was his call. And how many know God is still giving us territory? He's still giving us unknown territory, spiritually, in our lives, even physically, even practically. And nowadays when we travel, we have technology and conveniences and luxuries. And we know, oh, by the way, my car woes are over. <laughs> I traded that. You guys heard me get up here and gripe about my car. That thing is gone. I traded it in. And I have this brand new vehicle that has all the bells and whistles. It was such a steal of a deal. I couldn't believe it. You know, usually the, the dealer, you think, oh, man, they really got me on this one. And I feel like, no, 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 I got them on this one. Right? And it was so good. They didn't mark it up. There was, anyway, it was good. So we have these modern conveniences now that I get to experience. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> the only thing is, if you guys can help me figure out how to make that payment. Man, <laughs> the other car didn't have a payment. It felt good. But anyway, I digress. But nowadays, it's easy to see in front of you. Nowadays, it's even to see what's not in front of you because of GPS and because of maps and because of all these things. Well, Abraham had none of that. And so God said, Abraham, pack it up, bring your whole family, you're going to Canaan. And Abraham's going, whoa, where is that? And I can remember I was in first grade. We were living in Cheyenne, Wyoming at Warren Air Force Base. My dad was in the military. In the military, you don't stay in one place very long. And so we had just moved from the Philippines, spent a couple years in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And then my dad, my dad got his next orders. And so he gets everybody together, and he says, okay, guys, here's the orders. Here's where we're going next. And we're like, okay. And we're all excited. He said, Uncle Sam, the government is sending us to Guam. And we're like, wow, with a question mark. None of us knew where Guam was. None of us had even heard of this island called Guam that apparently is a U.S. territory. I just, the school, school didn't teach me that, right? And so I find it similar that Abraham was going, we're going to where? And so God is calling him to step out in faith and to step out in trust. And how many know God is calling us to do the same thing? And sometimes in regards to your family, dads, we have to make decisions sometimes not knowing. But God has given you the ability to do it. And so we get my family, we go over to Guam, and I tell you what, it was uh, really a blessing. That's where I got saved. Um, I was back and forth to the States, close to the Philippines. Uh, I was back and forth. And that's where I really, all of the spiritual uh, stuff that God deposited in me, it was there. I was a knucklehead at first, but thank God he has the final word. Amen? And so, uh, and so I'm here today pastoring a church simply because God said, go to a place you don't know. How many know I had no choice? But God knew what he was doing. Trust him. Trust him when he says to do something or go somewhere. When you're obedient to God and you have the courage to step out in faith, even if you don't know all the answers, and I know you don't understand everything. Trust him. Point number two, fathers contend. We're going to go to the next character. His name was Moses. 
Anybody seen the movie Prince of Egypt? That's where I got most of my knowledge of Moses. Uh, and then I started reading the Bible and I got more knowledge. So. But Moses was born into a Hebrew family. Let me give, give you a background, okay, to get you caught up. Born into a Hebrew family during a time when the Pharaoh of Egypt had ordered all Hebrew babies to be killed. He was found by Pharaoh's daughter because his mom had hid him for, uh, I think it was about three months. Uh, and knowing that she can't hide him forever, she thought this is the best chance he's going to have, of course. Put him in a basket. He floats down the river. Um, and Pharaoh's daughter finds him. They bring him in. They raise him as an Egyptian prince. However, there's a moment where he witnesses an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, Hebrew being his people. Uh, and then he gets upset and he eventually kills the Egyptian. And the following day, he's trying to break up a fight. And he's telling the ones who are fighting, hey, don't do this to each other. And then somebody accuses him and says, hey, what are, are you going to kill us too, just like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? How many know that will mess with your psyche, won't it? And so all of a sudden, he's gone. He disappears, and he goes into the wilderness, and he hides. He hides. His mind is jacked up. He's in Midian. And then many years later, Moses has his famous burning bush experience. And it's that, that moment God calls Moses to return home where he killed a guy to go home where people know he killed a guy. And he says, but I'm going to use you to free my people. And then he had to contend with his own people <laughs> because the Israelites and the Hebrew people at that time were hard-headed and they had, they had rejected him. And there were times where Moses would even go to God and say, God, why am I doing this? Who am I, who am I supposed to say sent me? Why are, why do they, why are they going to believe me? And so he's having to contend with the very people who God is sending him to deliver. I don't know if you've ever felt rejected by someone in your own family. Where you're supposed to be maybe an authority or a help. And they reject it. It's not a good feeling. Maybe you're in that situation now. Uh, we're going to pray here at the end of the service. I'm going to believe God to bring some healing to our relationships but if you have felt rejected by someone in your family, I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Contend. Don't give up. Contend. Don't get bitter. Contend. Don't get angry and separate. Pray. Contend. Contend for them. That's what Moses did. In Acts 7, 35 and 36, Stephen continues pleading his case, and he tells us what eventually happens to Moses. These people who rejected him these people who know his, his bad history. It says this in verse 35 of Acts 7. This Moses whom they rejected. Again, this is Stephen. He's arguing his case. He's trying to remind his people. Guys, don't you remember? This is what happened. And he's speaking of Moses. Whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out eventually. He contended, he didn't give up, and he did what God called him to do. He was even performing wonders and signs in Egypt 
And at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years, God never left him. And when God sent him on his assignment, and he had to contend. And I believe there's some people here that you've been praying for your family. You've been praying for your friends. And you've been praying for your coworkers. And I don't know, maybe they tease you. Maybe they ridicule you. Maybe they ignore you. I'm here to tell you, contend. Contend because God writes the end of the story. He writes the end of the story. Dad, men, God knows, God sees. And if you contend, you will see victory. How many are believing for that? Amen. Point number three, fathers pay the cost. Fathers pay the cost. Now, I know we didn't get to read through the entirety of this chapter. It's just too much. In, in one sitting, it would take too much time. But, but there was a twist in, in Stephen's story as he's defending himself and as he's talking to the religious leaders of his time. There's a, a heartbreaking twist. As Stephen is pleading his case, He's reminding the religious leaders of their spiritual fathers, their own spiritual forefathers. And I would love to tell you that they were cut to the heart and that they repented. But they didn't. They didn't get born again. They didn't join Stephen's church. Didn't happen. Let's jump into Acts verse 54. We're going to read through 60 uh, in the same chapter. It says this in verse 54. Now when they had heard these things, they were enraged. They were enraged at Stephen. As he's rehashing their history, as he's reminding them, they're enraged. They ground their teeth at him. How many are mad when people, you know, when somebody grinds their teeth, you better, you better move. They're mad. Right? It says they grind their teeth. But he, speaking of Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts is about the Holy Spirit. Just a reminder. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him, at Stephen. Verse 58, then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. Now here's a hint. I want you to mention And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. We'll get back to that. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Does that sound familiar? Talk about a godly man. Sounds just like Jesus, doesn't it? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when he had said that, he fell asleep. And he went to be with the Lord. Now let me mention that every character we've highlighted, where they were actual fathers. Moses was a father. Abraham became the father of many nations because he was obedient and he stepped out in faith. He stepped out in courage. Now he's the father of many nations. But Stephen, um, and then we'll get to the next character. They weren't quite, uh, we don't, there's nothing in the Bible that tells us they were actual fathers. But they were fathers of the faith. Without them, we couldn't be where we are today. That's why we're talking about them. What can we learn from these men? 
So no indication in the Bible that tells us that they were fathers or not, but definitely a father in the faith. Um, now, I'm not saying to go and physically die for your family as Stephen did, men, <laughs> fathers, amen. How many are uh, glad that uh, I, I'm trusting and believing and praying that most of us here, all of us here, will not have to one day go and die for our families, okay? But I'll say this, maybe not physically die for your families, but maybe die to yourself for your families. Maybe God is calling us as fathers and as men to die to ourselves on behalf of our families. I want to invite Caleb uh, to come up. He's going to share a little bit of his story um, and his experience uh, with his father. So can we give him a hand? Thank you. Thank you for the uh, warm welcome. Um, some of you guys know uh, my, my testimony already, uh, parts of my testimony, but a lot of you don't actually know some of the background of the events that followed after. Uh, for those, those of you that don't know, uh, at one point in my life, I attempted to take my life twice, and God saved me both times. So thank God I'm here still. Um, but after that happened, I found myself in the, or let me back up a bit. During that time, my, my family also was running a cafe. Some of you have heard of it. It was called the Retro Blue Cafe. My, my family is very proud of this cafe. We had uh, Hawaiian fusion food, and it was great, some of the best food. Um, I might be a little bit biased, but I've got some, I got some witnesses here that can back me up. Yeah. We were, um, at one point, even on Yelp, we were they even titled us like the number one um, Hawaiian fusion restaurant in Las Vegas. Um, from like 2018 into 2019, no, sorry, 2017 into 2018. But after everything that happened with me and um, attempting my um, attempting to take my life, my dad, who was the main muscle of the whole operation, he decided to drop everything, close the business, and focus on being with me and making sure that I. Had time that he had time with me and making sure that I was okay, making sure that I felt loved, and making sure that I knew that I was loved and that I had someone in my corner at all times. Um, you know, it, a part of me kind of felt bad, you know, knowing that I was a part of the downfall of the Retro Blue Cafe. Like, it was great food, great service, and it's Totally not because I was the cashier, uh, but but I realized later on in life that for my future children, I would have done the same. I would have dropped everything just to be and make sure that my children were okay. And so I realized at one point how much further would God be willing to give. In fact, how well he did give, actually. How much would he do the same, and how much more did he already do um, to make sure that we were in the best position that we could ever be in? Um, Luke 15, chap or chapter 15, verses 20 through 22 says, uh, this is going back, going to the parable of the lost son. So uh, the father, he got up and went, so the son got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, 
threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. No matter how far off we can go, God is still willing to be the father, not just to those who have a father and a loving father, but those who feel fatherless, those who are fatherless, and um, fill in the gaps, like Pastor Roland mentioned before, the the gaps that we didn't realize needed to be filled. Uh, And the father is willing to make any sacrifice for his children. Thank you, Caleb. Let's give him a hand. Now, I don't know if you know these three amigos behind me. Can you put that picture back up? Conrad's not able to be here today because he's in, uh, he's back home in Hawaii. That's him in the middle. And he's the one, even though he was finding success and seeing success, because what was happening to his, his uh, child, he wanted to make sure that that was the priority. He shuts down this successful restaurant to make sure that his family was okay. So I just wanted to honor him and thank you, Caleb, again for sharing your story. I tell you what, guys, God is amazing. I, 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 let me just say, I remember the moment when I got the call and, and Caleb's brother didn't know what to do and he, he said, Piro, you need to come quick. I get to the house, find Caleb on the floor, barely responsive, having to get an ambulance to take him. That's where he was at in his life. And God has saved him. He's one of our leaders now in our church today. (laughs) Point number three. All of that to say this. Fathers pay the cost. Fathers pay the cost. And now the final point. Fathers continue. Remember I told you to make a mental note of a man named Saul. After they killed Stephen, it says these men who killed him laid their cloaks and everything before a young man named Saul. In Acts chapter 7, verse 58, the latter part of verse 58, it says this. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man. His name was Saul, who would later become the apostle Paul. If you go to the next chapter, after the chapter we're in, Acts uh, chapter 8, verse 1. In the very first verse, it says this. Saul approved of the execution of Stephen. Paul was responsible for his death. In Acts uh, 8, verse 3, a few verses later, it says that he continued his murderous threats. And he continued to go into Christian homes and drag people out and imprison them and persecute them. His name was Saul. And then later on in chapter 9, something miraculous happened. And I'll paraphrase. It tells us that while Saul was still threatening to murder Christians, he sees a light. He falls to the ground And he hears the voice of Jesus himself saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he acknowledges Jesus as Lord. 
at that point. He acknowledges him as Lord. He's led to a disciple named Ananias, who the Holy Spirit said, Ananias, we're sending you Saul for you to pour into his life and to train him. How many know Ananias was going, wait, who? The Saul that killed Stephen? That Saul? And the Holy Spirit's going, yes. How many know God is in control? I mean, if we're going, God, you know, your plans, I know your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than, but really, the guy who's been killing all of us, you're going to send him? And how many, how many know, most of us probably would have rejected him. I know what you did, Saul. Right? And so I don't know why the church could be so judgmental sometimes, right? But God's working on us, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. And so all these people who are our enemies, one day we're going to see in church and we're going to be worshiping together. Watch, because that's the way God works. This is what he did here. This is what he did here. And so Saul acknowledges Jesus as Lord. He's led to Ananias. This is, Ananias was not some great pastor, leader, you know, bishop. He was just a regular disciple. And God sends a man named Saul who would go on to shake the rest of the world in in Christianity. And we are here serving and loving God because of him. Of all the disciples, he's the one that really took it upon himself to preach outside of Jewish culture. So many times we get tied up in our own culture. And God said, no, 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 you need to get out, 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 out. The church, the called out ones. And so Saul has such a dramatic transformation, such a dramatic change that God had to change his name. Now, I don't know if any of you have a name that you don't like. There's something legal that you can do to change your name. But God changed his name for him. He said, no longer will you be Saul. You were going to be Paul. The apostle Paul that we celebrate and love so much, some of you didn't even know this history about him, that he killed people like us. And he thought it was the right thing to do. He trains Saul. He disciples him. And literally within weeks, Paul gets his sight back and he begins to preach to the lost. Now, it's funny how we, you know, we want Christians to be all squeaky clean before we use them to do anything. I saw where you were at last night. I don't know why they're letting you speak in church. This guy was killing people. Killing. And within weeks, God was using him. Deal with that. It's biblical. Now, I'll say this. I used to struggle with condemnation. Condemnation is extreme disapproval of yourself. Something so heavy you don't feel like you're worthy. When I began to serve God, I was just a brand new Christian. Like I said, I was a knucklehead, and I had the same problems. And I would come to church and try to serve God, and then I would go out and then mess up. And I'd go, man, I did it again. God, you really, I'm quite sure you don't love me anymore. That's condemnation. Condemnation is different than conviction. Condemnation leaves no hope. Conviction is the Holy Spirit telling you, I got you. I'm going to help you change. There's still hope. Conviction deals with a specific sin. Condemnation deals 
with who you are as a person. For example, uh, you know, somebody might, you know, if the Holy Spirit said, you know, hey, you were harsh to your spouse. That's, that's conviction. Ah, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm going to change. Condemnation says, you're a bad husband. Try to tear you down. DJ, you can start to make your way up. Conviction deals with your issue. Condemnation attacks your identity. Conviction gives and leads to hope and forgiveness while condemnation leads to hopelessness. Condemnation tells you you're a mistake. Conviction tells you it's okay, you just made a mistake. Condemnation pushes you away from God in shame and fear. Conviction draws you to God in repentance and humility. How many know it takes some humility to say, God, I was wrong. I was wrong. Forgive me. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction of sin, which leads to repentance and grace, while condemnation will pull you away and lie to you and tell you you'll never make it. Condemnation will tell you you'll never be who God wants you to be. Our last point is this. Leaders and fathers continue. Regardless of history. Has anybody here killed anybody? If you have, come see me in private. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> but for now, no, right? Okay. <laughs> okay, Lord Jesus, please. <laughs> I have to use my kung fu on anybody. Okay. Fathers continue. Now I know you and I have made some mistakes. I love DJ's exhortation during worship. Sometimes we hold ourselves captives because we feel like we need to be perfect and God never meant for you to be perfect on your own. We find perfection in him. And that's the only way we become perfect. Fathers, continue. I don't know what you're dealing with. I'm 99% sure you haven't killed anybody. And if Paul can do it, I don't know what our problem is. Really, when you think about it. Because we've all done things. And I, I, I promise you, everybody here has something secret. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Everybody in here, we all have something secret. Something that we're not proud of. It's a sin or maybe it's something secret that you did a long time ago. Maybe you don't struggle with it anymore. But it's still there. It's still there. And God is saying, it's time to move on. As DJ was exhorting, I thought, man, he is preaching the end of my sermon. Because God wants us to see him as the one who is able to forgive, 
the one who is able to save, and the one who is able to get you unstuck so that you can grow in him. How many want that today? How many want that today? So whatever it is you're dealing with, I promise you, you're probably not as bad as Saul. And if Saul can go, uh, God can go on to use Saul to change the world, he could probably do the same thing with you. Amen? We're going to close this in prayer. And I want to pray for the fathers, really all of us. And as you're in your seat, I believe the Holy Spirit is already going through the aisles and just coming up close to you. I'm going to pray over some things. I'm going to pray that God releases you today. Because there's nothing better than being released and being able to just be free and, and worship God and be accepted in him. He's a good father. He's the best father. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for your complete love. There is no lack. Lord, thank you. Lord, for your acceptance. Lord, we don't have to compete for your attention. We don't have to compete for your love. Your word says you loved us while we were yet sinners. While we were yet at our worst, you loved us and you accepted us. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. And I am prophesying to you who are stuck and you feel like God doesn't love you and you feel like God can't help you. And I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. And I speak to your heart and I speak to your mind and I speak to your spirit and I say, rise in Jesus' name. Come alive in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. Forgiveness is happening right now. It's taking place in our hearts, even though nothing's being said. Lord, you're doing something in us. That's always where you want to start. Heal relationships. Heal hurts. Heal offenses. Heal unforgiveness of ourselves. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your freedom, God. Father, um, I just feel like God is saying to be brave and courageous like Joshua was. And I'm just going to pray. Lord, thank you, God, for the fathers, fathers-to-be, who fathers um, mentees. Father, I just pray, God, that you would unlock the courage and being brave like what Joshua, Joshua did in the midst of, of a war. Lord, thank you, God, for giving the fathers the grace Thank you, God, that they look at you and you only. And they see how you model and they see how you love them. And I pray, Father God, that it will overflow through them. 
and it will, it will overflow not only to their kids, but to the people, to the kids that they're mentoring. Not limited to their relatives who looks up to them, God. So I just pray, oh God, that you would help them. Help the fathers, oh God. You have called them to be fathers, so I pray, God, that you give them the grace and unlock their gifts and talents. Oh God, unlock that courage. God, that spirit of Joshua be alive in them, in Jesus' name. Amen. We seal that prayer. We seal that prayer. Would you look up? I'm trusting and believing that some of you have found a newfound freedom and that you're going to continue. You're going to continue to grow. You're going to continue in your walk because that is what God has called you to do now.